Hello and welcome back to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today I'm chatting with Matthew Roars, CEO of Synapis Group. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Thanks so much for tuning back in to today's podcast. Greatly appreciate you. If this is your first time or if you're a longtime listener, you're in for a treat today with a conversation with Matthew Roars, CEO of Synapis Group. But before we do so, uh, take a moment, pause this podcast, and leave a review on Google Play or on iTunes. I greatly appreciate your continued support and love to keep this podcast alive and to continue to grow and share the messages and conversations with many more people. All right now, today's conversation with Matthew uh, is a great one, it's quite riveting. I am very passionate about uh, international business, mission, faith, so this uh, this is right down my alley. The Synapis Group is an international business accelerator program that provides early stage entrepreneurs with advanced business training integrated with kingdom business principles, intensive mentorship, and the opportunity to compete for seed capital. Uh, Matthew is leading the charge as CEO, leveraging his passion and gifting for creating this integration between faith and work. What does it mean to be called by God to business? What does it mean to have a personal and vital connection to Christ? Matthew poses uh, these questions among many more, um, rhetorically thinking about his own walk, but then also how he's leading at Synapis and how how the organization is doing, uh, asking and answering these questions, which leaves us to ponder how are we doing this for ourselves at faith, work, and how these two intersect. We discuss a bit more into calling, uh, which is always a challenging topic, but he provides some great wisdom and experience, something that I, I haven't heard uh, enough uh, and needs to be continued, continuously reinforced. We hear a bit more about kingdom business, uh, the background story of Matthew and his faith, uh, where he comes from, um, and how entrepreneurs in developing and emerging countries and markets are overcoming incredible challenges, uh, but then more so taking their business to new levels. So you'll hear about all this and more in this conversation. Without further ado, let's turn it on over to my conversation with Matthew. Matthew, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast today. Thanks, Tyler. I'm excited. Thank you. Um, so to to get things kicked off, I, I just want to dive dive a bit uh, a bit into your personal and professional background. Um, wanted to hear just a short background on your faith story and and then what you're doing right now with Synapis. Yeah, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home, and so I don't, uh, like many people, I don't have uh, a particular salvation story, Mm -hmm. but as I progressed in my faith, particularly through college, I started to have stirrings around how the Lord wanted to use me, uh, whatever that looked like. And so I had studied business in undergrad, and I had a couple of really formative experiences of traveling abroad and seeing poverty that was unlike what I had experienced growing up uh, in the Midwest, in the U.S. And Mm. so 
Uh, one of those was I, I did a fellowship right out of Taylor University uh, for six months, where as part of that, I got to go to Africa for the first time. Mm. And uh, to be honest, the experience was a very mixed one. I, I wasn't really prepared for what I was going to see and do. And uh, in retrospect, I see a lot of failure in how I handled it. But God really redeemed that time and planted some wonderful seeds in my heart and in my life that later uh, had a huge impact on the direction that he was leading me. And so when I went back uh, from that time, I joined the investment management and private equity uh, industries and spent the first 10 years of my career uh, working mainly in uh, public markets and in pension consulting. Mm -hmm. And God had uh, a really interesting intersection that he wanted me to live in and has really been shaping for my life of appreciating the value of business, but also having a passion to see people come to know him and uh, live that out in an integrated fashion throughout all spheres of their life. Mm -hmm. And so the long story short was after 10 years of that, uh, he led me. Uh, as some of those seeds germinated uh, into the microfinance sector and then to doing what I'm doing today. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, just you mentioned after, you know, after graduating, you went overseas. And um, I know for me, kind of having a, an interest in international culture, affairs and business, um, stepping outside of the country and traveling uh, is, is, is obviously intriguing and really interesting. But I want to know, was it really what I think there's things that are able to allow us to, to venture and branch out, but then there's there's maybe something underlying that that lets us uh, really creates an opportunity for us to keep coming back. And uh, it's it sounds like you know this the seeds that were planted ten years ago um, obviously have uh, have meant something a little bit more today. But when you look back at that time when you first went overseas, was there anything that maybe you took in or anything that um, that really transformed or uh, has come to light now that that I guess dictated your path to where you are today yeah I think it was the combination of seeing poverty physical economic poverty in ways that I had never seen before mm. and having that unsettle me uh, as it should mm. uh, I think as followers of Christ uh, that's something that is not part of his kingdom and is not his desire and mm. so that should bother us. And that hit me at a, an emotional, visceral level that I hadn't ever experienced. But coupling that with the training that he had given me in business and really setting me down a path toward what does long-term dignified development look like and how, as one guy who knows very little, could I work with people to make a difference? And so that was really the trajectory that he started to set me down. It took quite a while before that really manifested itself. In fact, that was a whole other set of lessons that he taught me as he was uh, refining some of the issues in my life that I think needed to be refined before I could be of more use. Mm. Um, so, so you're now really, uh, there's a word that you included in there that I think is uh, important to, to, to hone in on and is that that's in the integration. Um, as you mentioned, between I, I think a few a few areas I think of are faith and work. Um, so, w what does that word integration mean to you, and uh, how has that evolved? It's evolved significantly in my own journey, and I think it's something that's still evolving. But for me, where that's rooted is Jesus's central theme of the kingdom of God. 
Mm. And so as he was proclaiming the kingdom of God, and it's just manifesting everywhere he's going, he's seeing need, and I almost just imagine it spilling out of him. So indeed, in word, in relationship, and everything he was doing, he had an integrated life. And I think for most of us, that's a pretty elusive concept. It's difficult, and there's some history around that, and there's some dichotomies in the way that particularly the Western world thinks Mm -hmm. and what we've been taught that I think can become pretty big obstacles to viewing the world in a more Hebraic way. And so for my own journey, uh, I had points, uh, thoughts that you know perhaps business was perpetuating a lot of the problems in the world, and I in many ways still see evidence of that. And yet also today as I've come more and more full circle to see how poverty is alleviated uh, at scale and how that happens in a sustainable way over time, you see the redemptive power of enterprise dedicated unto the Lord. And so that's mm-hmm. really, as uh, I moved into the microfinance sector and now serving small and medium-sized enterprises and entrepreneurs, that's very central to our understanding of what we want to be part of, is that anything dedicated unto the Lord is worship, it honors Him, and living into that calling that He's given is exactly the best kind of life uh, and the way to make the greatest impact. Hmm. Awesome. So uh, this this theme of, um, I think, is, is of kingdom business. Uh, so. Um, I think it's becoming more popular. Maybe I'm just starting to open up to, to the idea of this. Uh, so what does it mean to have kingdom business principles? And then um, on that, what are a few that, that you focus on with Synapis? So at Synapis, we offer a couple of different interventions, and this is a central theme to both. Uh, our flagship mm. program is a 16-week mini-MBA where we take MBA content Uh, from the U.S. in partnership with the Acton School of Business and then contextualize that heavily for the developing world markets where we work. And one of the convictions from our founding in 2010 is that just to accelerate businesses and help entrepreneurs grow and overcome barriers to scale would be insufficient if we weren't giving them an opportunity either to respond to Jesus for the first time or if they're already a follower of him, to understand what it means to live into that calling to business with joy and with effectiveness. And so our kingdom business framework that undergirds that integration is based on three main ideas. And the first is that the enterprise must be directed by the Holy Spirit, and then as a result of that would be led by a godly leader. And so Within that framework, we talk about, and I've mentioned this earlier in the Mm. discussion, what does it mean to be called by God to business? What does it mean to have a personal and vital connection to Christ? And we often talk about John 15 and abiding in the vine. And then as a leader, how can I reflect God's character in my life, in my family, but also in the way that I lead? And so that first principle is, is the Holy Spirit out in front leading the enterprise And then am I increasingly becoming a godly leader? Mm. Once, and of course we're never done with that, but once we feel like, yes, we're embracing that, we're moving down that path, then we look at the organization itself and say, is the organization using its time, talent, and resources to advance God's purposes? And so subcomponent to this are 
is the culture of the organization life-giving? Am I valuing employees well? Am I treating them the way that the Lord would have me do that? And sometimes when we work with entrepreneurs, what that practically looks like is, am I paying employees before I'm paying myself? Am I looking out for them and the way that they're being treated and recognizing that they're individuals or am I seeing them as closer to a cog in a machine? Mm. And as that life-giving culture is growing, am I a good steward of the resources God has given me? So looking again at time, talent, money. How am I doing as a steward of a business that is his? He is the owner. He is the creator. This is not just mine as much as we want entrepreneurs to have great agency and to step into the opportunities that they have reflecting this is all the Lord's. And then lastly, the purpose of this isn't just, even after those things, isn't just to be godly, isn't just to be a good steward, but it's to meet the spiritual and physical needs of the community around us as a way to advance God's kingdom. Mm. So we talk about what does the fruit look like of the business? Is it measurable? Is it tangible as best we can? And then for those that are convinced that Jesus is Lord, how can I be part of the Great Commission as I go, as I live the life he's called me to? Uh, not as a separate programmatic effort, and there's nothing wrong with those in mm-hmm. their right place, but as I'm leading a company, as I'm engaging with employees and customers and suppliers and people in the community, are there opportunities for me to share the hope that I have? And so for us, that's what that looks like. And then throughout that 16-week program, one hour each week out of the six that we're in class is dedicated to that and we give entrepreneurs the opportunity to create a spiritual integration plan and again all of this is up to them we're not looking over their shoulder we're not grading their submissions uh, to these things but for those that have never thought about this before it's a really eye-opening opportunity Mm. and for those that come for that purpose we hope that we're giving them guardrails that will help them along the way to say I think this integrated approach is right. I don't know exactly how to get there. So what are the steps that I can take? So that's what it means for us. Mm, Wonderful. Um, One thing you mentioned at the beginning, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you mentioned that it has to be from the spirit, uh, from the get-go, something that you're uh, making sure it's, it's rooted in, in that it's a, it's, it's the calling for the individual or the organization um, and I, 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 the way the first, the first thing that came to mind was thinking about, you know, if someone's going into, to seminary school or, or going from seminary school and they want to become, you know, ordained in a certain denomination that it's, it's this process that they believe that is believed to be important to, so that others can validate that this is indeed, uh, not something that only you think is right, but that the, the community or the, the people of supporters around you deemed to be a worthy cause and a worthy a worthy track and calling to follow um so kind of based on that or you know or rather if you're if you're uh you know if you're an athlete and you're looking to 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 play at the next level you you know you're going to have scouts and people that are going to look and evaluate you and see if this is really what what you're meant to do or meant to be kind of think about in that light and i want to know how how or you know if, if someone is is thinks that this that they have an idea or a business that they they want to to grow and to flourish how do you see if that's if the if the spirit is really you know in, ingrained in part of that equation how do you know if i think if we think about how do you know if the, if the blessing is there how do you know if they're if they've been anointed to do this certain certain uh, certain task or and bigger you know create this business mm. 
That's a hard question. Uh, it's a good question, and I think one of the convictions that we have is that the Lord didn't make us to be uh, standalone lone rangers uh, in any facet of life, and so the framework of how we engage with entrepreneurs is built on community, uh, but even more importantly, the encouragement to them to make sure that there is a sense of calling if they are married with their family. So in one of our weeks of our engagement, we have a significant other covenant where we actually encourage entrepreneurs to sit down with their spouse and walk through a series of questions and steps to say, are we sure that the Lord is calling us into this? And do we have eyes open about what this means for our family? We also partner with local churches uh, as much as we can uh, to serve entrepreneurs. And part of the design for that is just our love for the local church and desire to see the local church flourish. But it's also because kingdom entrepreneurs who engage with us who are already Christians should be rooted in that community. And it's another opportunity for people to do what you were just saying, to speak into that and affirm gifting or mm. perhaps to ask questions about, are you sure that this is what the Lord is opening up to you? Um, one of the things early in my journey that was really important and a bit eye-opening was the experience of having people in community speak into the spiritual giftings that God had given me. And I recall in that time hearing some teachers and others argue that more than assessments, more than books, the life-on-life -life engagement is the best way to navigate in community. How is God calling you? How has he gifted you and wired you to be of the most use to his service? Mm -hmm. And so we're doing our best to step into that as well, but it doesn't make easy the question that you were asking or the process there. I think that's a, it's, it's far more than a 16-week engagement. That's a multi-year following after him mm. and trying to discern, Lord, how best can I be of service to you? Mm. Great. Um, and it, it speaks to the value of, um, rather than only having, you know, doing a, a self-assessment test or survey, um, having... Uh, more of a communal or communal or finding support groups, whether it's the church or um, a, a different, maybe a, a business interest group or whatever that might be to be part mm -hmm. of this assessment. You know, if, if we were to call it that assessment survey as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much others are like me in this, but yeah. my capacity for self-deception is not small. And so having other people who can look into that and mm -hmm. say, you know, this is what I'm seeing or this, you know, I've had this, uh, experience of having people say it's really supernatural when God uses you this way hmm. or watching people in community affirm others and I think that's a really powerful dynamic hmm. uh, you see that in Acts 13 where they're sending out Paul and Barnabas uh, from Antioch and there's something really really powerful there and might be an important thing for someone who may be listening this to think about if you've got questions about what this looks like in your own life uh, taking time and gathering people who are close to you around you. Maybe it's the elders in your church and saying, this is what I think God is doing. Uh, do you sense resonance in the spirit with that? Mm. Mm. Um, so I know a lot of your work is centered in, uh, in Africa. Um, so I want to know what are some of the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs face, um, whether it's in their, you know, entrepreneurship and their personal personal lives or, or, or really the you know the external factors or the the industry factors that weigh in really what are the biggest challenges that they face and and then the and then more so how have they been able to overcome hmm. 
Well, I think you could start with, at a first level, all of the assumed business entrepreneurship challenges that you think would mm. come just with the idea of having a company that you want to launch, trying to test that in the marketplace, all of the different things that you're setting up, the hats that you're wearing, mm. all of those things are true because business is business. Mm -hmm. And then you can add on top of that. Typically, so right now we work in four different markets. Uh, Kenya has been our central location in Nairobi uh, for our first seven years, but we've expanded over the past couple of years to Ghana, to Brazil, and then most recently to Uganda. And in most of these, the support systems, and you can think about this in terms of government, you can think about uh, local capital provision, are far different than the US, and they're typically weaker. They're harder to navigate, or there are just fewer of them. So on any number of levels where you would look to support in those areas, the process will be more challenging. A second factor is that this is specific to Kenya. Mm -hmm. The education system, uh, for my friends there that I've talked to about this at length, is typically more focused on rote memorization than problem solving and innovation. So for people who are saying, you know, I see a problem or I see an opportunity in the marketplace, they may be able to identify that, but there's often less of a history and almost something that you marinate into more quickly move to innovation and solving those problems. And mm -hmm. so that's something that my Kenyan friends have shared with me a number of times. And then another one which is reasonably systemic is corruption mm -hmm. throughout the business community, often within government as well. And one of the most joyful things for me in the process of getting to serve entrepreneurs is to hold up the light of scripture and to watch people respond to it and respond to the spirit and basically say, sometimes they literally stand up in class and say, we've been buying into a lie that you have to participate in this in order to succeed. And this is hurting our country, it's hurting ourselves, and they feel uh, the double-mindedness of that in their own lives, but it's a powerful argument. You know, if it's hard enough to succeed as is, if I take another step and I don't participate in bribery, Will I get any contracts? Is there even a hope for me hmm. that I could run a profitable company? And so those are a lot of the challenges. That's not an exhaustive list. How they've been able to overcome, there's a lot of different ways to answer that question, but maybe I would say it this way. I mean, the hmm. Lord is the hero of every story, ultimately. But in our case with Synapis, after him, it's these kingdom entrepreneurs who day in and day out are committing themselves to improvement and innovation and growing companies. And they overcome through unbelievable determination. Uh, the road is not easy. In fact, this last year in Kenya, there were two national elections. The first national election was disputed and the Supreme Court, uh, in a really surprising decision, chose to annul that. And they had a second election. And what that effectively meant was three to four months of the calendar year, the economy was on a standstill. And that was devastating to a lot of businesses. Uh, but these entrepreneurs find a way. And so primarily, I think for those that have faith in Christ, it's trusting him and the mm -hmm. calling that, that he's given them. 
I think in practical business terms, making sure you have a real product and service that's meeting a real need for a profitable segment. One of the things mm -hmm. we hear most often that's an aha for entrepreneurs is this is the way they typically say it. Before I learned about segmenting a market, I was, quote, just doing business. Mm -hmm. And now I have a real plan for a specific problem or need that I'm seeking to meet. And I've tested this in the market to try to find a path to sustainability and profitability. So there's a lot of different ways that they overcome. But I have unbelievable respect for those that are making this happen and are shouldering the responsibility and sometimes the burden of providing for employees. And it's just amazing to see. Wow, wonderful. Um, and do you find uh, this is kind of a bit more of a, I guess, business question, but that the that the solutions that they're creating are for market segments that um, that are maybe a bit more well off, or um, are are entrepreneurs able to create solutions for that might have to take a little bit more volume, uh, but are able to 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 meet the needs of lower income, um, you know, people or populations. That's a great question. It's all across the board for us. So Synapse wow. is sector agnostic. So we don't have a particular screen that we apply. Uh, you're right. Many times what comes as sort of a first order level of thinking is those that are middle upper class are going to have greater ability to pay. Mm -hmm. But there definitely are some who are saying we've got a solution or an innovation that we understand really deeply because we've been part of this socioeconomic group mm -hmm. and this is what this will look like and yes it will imply more volume mm -hmm. but we understand uh, the needs of this group and we've got a solution that can help meet that so it really does span uh, the whole spectrum mm -hmm. there and tremendous good can be done uh, with with both approaches awesome awesome um, so I know, obviously, spiritual development is a, is a, of keen interest to you, and um, want to know uh, if, if there are a few big elements that that you'd recommend that need to be uh, integrated, um, or maybe just require additional attention. And this can be at the personal or at the organization level. Yeah, I would say two things. The first that comes to mind is. If you've read the screw tape letters and you've thought about what Lewis did that was so brilliant in that story, for those that haven't read it, was right from the perspective of a senior demon to a junior demon that he was coaching and how to impede the advancement of God's kingdom. And I've been mulling this over lately, and I think one of the strategies that they use that has been most destructive is to convince a majority of people that these ideas of sacred and secular exist and that that might even somehow be what God wants in the world but I don't see that in any way in the scripture and I think why that is such a destructive lie is if people are made to think as it relates to advancing God's kingdom or helping people grow spiritually or even just thinking about the integrated life we talked about at the hmm. beginning if most people look at that and say well, I'm not a missionary, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a worship leader, I'm not uh, trained with a Masters of Divinity, I really probably shouldn't or couldn't engage in fill-in-the-blank spiritual activity. 
then you've relegated the majority of people that God's Word says you're ambassadors for Christ, mm. you're the priesthood of all believers, to something much less than that. And so one of our passions, and it's one we're trying to live in as individuals and as a team, but also to affirm in the lives of others, is that's not a biblical idea. And so if he's called you to something that looks different than what we typically think of as the spiritual elite callings, rejoice in that and press into it for the benefit of what God's doing in your world. So that's number one. And part and parcel to that, the second idea to me is what would it be like if everyone had that perspective and also felt equipped to make disciples as they go in a relational way, to take the time that it takes to love people like Jesus did, but to also feel equipped and passionate to welcome people into a relationship with him. And so as we look at the marketplace and believe it's one of the most untouched and strategic opportunities in the world, we believe this is where poverty alleviation happens at scale with the greatest dignity. Mm. If we can couple that with those ideas that we just talked about, we think the Lord is and will continue to do incredible things through people that we would look at and say, they're just like us, they're everyday ordinary people. That's great. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much uh, for, for your time today, Matthew. And just want to know where uh, people, if they're interested in learning more, um, where they can find you and, or find Synapis. Yeah, our website is synapis.org. That's S-I-N-A-P-I-S dot org. And for anyone who's listening who is planning to be part or is considering the Business as Mission Conference that's coming up in Philadelphia, September 21st through the 23rd. Several members of our team are gonna be there. Love to meet you, we could have coffee and just hear how God is moving in your life. Awesome, thanks so much. Thank you, Tyler.